Welcome to Power of the Cross Radio Sermons. We are glad you could join us for this sermon from services held at the Lighthouse in Grenada, Mississippi during Summer Worship Experience 2022. Next you will hear a message from Josh Rosenstern of Sun Life Broadcasting Network. The message is titled, We Are All in the Same Boat. Open your Bibles please tonight. The Gospel of St. Mark. Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. The scripture says, And the same day when the evening was come, he being Jesus said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. Skip over, please, to verse 38. Skip down to verse 38. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awakened him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And tonight, if the Lord will help us, we want to minister a message that's entitled, We're All in the Same Boat. We're all in the same boat. Bow your heads, please. Heavenly Father, we come tonight in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your precious Holy Spirit. We ask, Lord, that you would anoint us tonight. We need your help. We need your anointing. We cannot do it without you. Lord, I am asking tonight that you would answer some questions for your people. That you would touch them, Lord. That your spirit would touch them and that you would lift us up above the shadows. That you would place our feet on higher ground. And we will be careful to give you the praise and give you the glory in all things. And we say this and we ask it in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen and Amen. If you study history at all, especially if you study history that goes back to the time of the Roman Empire, over the last 2,000 years of human history, it is impossible, it is virtually impossible to study history, especially of that time frame, and not see Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. If you study the last 2,000 years of history, and you look at the great empires, you look at the great nations, you look at the happenings and the events of the world, you will without question see, you will collide with Jesus Christ. If you look at Rome, you will see the impacts of Christianity. Even looking at the other empires after that, you will see Jesus. And thank God when you look at American history, true, actual, and factual American history, the history of this nation, you will see the Bible. You will see in God we trust. You will see Jesus Christ as the foundation, the hope, and the source of our founding fathers. And I thank God that despite what some in Washington say, this is still a Christian nation because there are still men and women that believe in the Word of God and believe in God Almighty. I thank God for that. 
I thank God for that. The greatest asset that any nation has are the blood-bought, born-again, spirit-filled believers that live in that nation. That's the greatest blessing and the greatest asset. America's not great because of Wall Street. America's not great because of Silicon Valley and definitely not because of Hollywood. America is great because it is founded on the Word of Almighty God. Hallelujah, I feel that. I feel that. They're looking for answers out there right now, and I've got the answer in my hand. If we'll come back to the Bible, God Almighty will intervene and solve the problems in this country. Do you believe that tonight? Do you believe that? Praise God. But to study history as the great historians, as the great scholars, as the great academics do, to ignore Christianity, to exclude Christianity is to carve out so much history to see the influence that Jesus Christ, one man, has had. It's astounding. But you know what I find amazing? The great scholars, the great philosophers, the great erudites, the great academics, the great doctors... They can handle, they can understand a Jesus that was a great teacher. Even the religion of Islam has a Jesus in their writings, in their history, in their end times, in their eschatology. Even the Muslims, now you heard me right, Jesus makes an appearance in their literature and in their belief system. You can look at some of the history books, the writings, and you see Jesus as a great historical figure, an influential man. They can accept Jesus Christ as a great teacher, even as a prophet. They can accept Jesus Christ even as one who was claimed to work miracles. Now, do you hear what I'm saying? The world can tolerate and can fit Jesus into their narrative as a prophet, as a great teacher, as a rabbi, as a historical figure, even as a miracle worker. But where the rub comes in is they cannot accept Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and the Messiah, the Lamb of God, and the Savior of the world. They can't accept Jesus crucified, risen, and in heaven. They cannot fit that into their narrative. Sadly, the church is in the exact same position and condition as the world. The church will laud a Jesus who will bless you. They will preach very happily a Jesus that will heal you. A Jesus who can work miracles, but it, when it comes down to preaching Jesus Christ and Him crucified, that's where the rub comes in. There's a problem. Why is that? Because the cross of Christ is an offense. It is an offense because it tells man, you, me, they, them, that we are lost sinners on our way to an eternal hell. That we are nothing but sinners on our way to hell, separated from God. 
That's what Jesus as Messiah commands and demands. But it also means that man has to put aside his intellect, his reasoning, his education, his money, his power, his wealth, his success, his religion. Man has to lay aside all of his abilities and accomplishments and say, I count it all as dung. It's worthless. Lord, I am nothing without you. I need a Savior. That's why the history books can write about a Jesus who was all of these other things, which he was without question. But Jesus as the Son of God and as the redemption of mankind, the world has a problem with that. But I thank God the Jesus I know and the Jesus I serve, he is even more than just my healer and he is my healer. He is more than just a great teacher, and He is the teacher. But He is my Savior. He is my Redeemer. He is my Lord. He is my King, and He is my closest friend. I thank God that I know Jesus as my Savior, and His blood has washed and cleansed me from every sin and every stain. I stand here tonight redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. It does reach to the highest mountain, and it flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength from day to day will never, never lose its power. The text that we read tonight out of the book of Mark, Matthew in the 8th chapter also gives an account of this happening. To set the stage, Jesus is in Capernaum. Capernaum is a beautiful little town. I've been there. It's a beautiful little town. Still to this day are the ruins of Capernaum. The foundation and the walls of the synagogue that were there still stand to this day. The remnants, the the location of the house of Peter's mother-in-law is still there. You can see where they believe that it's at. When you stand on the shoreline, you can look out and it's a beautiful picture that looks over the Sea of Galilee. And this is where Jesus would put and have the headquarters of his earthly ministry. If you read the account in the book of Matthew, you will see that in this eighth chapter of Matthew, it is cataloged the miracles that Jesus would work. As a leper would come to him, asking him to be made whole, that he would heal him. And Jesus healed the leper. Hallelujah. Peter's mother-in-law, sick with a fever, infirm, Jesus would heal her. The mighty miracles that he would work, that they witnessed, that they observed. The scripture says that they brought them by the loads. They brought them by the scores. Those who were sick, those who were diseased, those who were infirm, those who were possessed by devils. And he healed all of them. He delivered all of them. Everyone that would come in contact with Jesus Christ in faith, he would meet their need every single time. 
And I'll insert it here to say this. My Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If He healed them then, He will heal you now. If He would deliver them then, He will deliver you now. And that was before the cross. Today, now, the price has been paid. Sin has been atoned for. And we have the Holy Spirit in us and with us in every capacity. Glory to God. We have a better covenant based on better promises in Christ Jesus. Jesus. Glory to God. Mm. I might break this church in and just run all over it in just a few minutes. (laughs) Glory. Glory, glory. What a blessed Savior. What a blessed Redeemer. But the disciples, the people in Capernaum, all that were there, they saw and they witnessed these miracles. They heard Him teach. They heard Him preach. And he was standing there on the shore and they literally were coming at him, thronging him, listening to him. Desiring to hear him teach. I don't blame them a bit. Can you imagine how marvelous, how spectacular it would have been to hear Jesus They said, there's never been a man who's preached like this, who speaks like this. He speaks with an authority and with a boldness. Never a man. I don't blame them for wanting to hear the words of the Master. As the song says, His voice makes the difference. When He speaks, He relieves my troubled mind. It's the only voice I hear that makes the difference. And I'll follow Him one day at a time. They wanted to hear the words of Christ. And I don't blame them. And after a period of time, as the day went on, Jesus, He grew tired, He grew weary. And He told His disciples, He said, let's get into the boat. We're going to sail across the sea. To the other side. He grew tired and he grew weary. Jesus was a man. As we say it oftentimes, he was 100% man and 100% God. He never ever lost possession of his deity. But thank God He took upon Himself a form of a man, a body of a man, so that He could go to the cross and die for humanity. He was the second man. He was the last Adam. Because after Jesus, there would never be a need for another sacrifice. Because He was the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. But He grew weary. He grew tired. And as they began and they set sail on this boat, you've got to remember now, he was surrounded by a bunch of fishermen. I mean, these guys knew what they were doing. And they went out on the water. And as they were going across the sea, a great tempest, a great storm, all of a sudden came up. Now, at first, I have no doubt they said, well, we've seen this many times before. The the location of the sea is between mountain ranges, and it would happen all the time that great gusts of wind would come through, and great storms would come through, and they they were accustomed to this. It was nothing that they could not bear. 
And Jesus was asleep now on the back of the boat. And as they continue on following what he said for them to do, he said, let's get in the boat. We're going to the other side of the sea. They were following what the Lord told them to do. And this great storm comes about, and at first, like I said, I don't think that they paid much mind to it. They figured, okay, well, this has happened before. We can get through this. But all of a sudden, the wind began to pick up. The rain began to blow sideways and fall and pelt them. And the waves began to crash on the boat. And it was so intense, so severe that the waves came and they began to fill up the vessel, the boat. They began to waterlog this ship. And we've, I've, I've been across this sea. It's a beautiful sea. It's a beautiful area. The boats that they were in weren't just little rowboats here. They were pretty substantial in size. They could bear this. There's actually in the town of Magdala, which is named after Mary Magdalene, they found a a structure of one of these boats that were used, and it was preserved in the mud and in the clay at the bottom of the sea. And they very delicately excavated this out of the mud, and it's now on display, and you can see it. And uh, it's, it's not a little thing. It probably would go from this wall to almost to this other wall here. It's, it's a pretty substantial boat. And here they are on this sea of life, sailing across... And this storm hits them out of nowhere. Some of you are shaking your head saying, this sounds very, very familiar to me. And as they are trying their best to navigate through this storm, they realize we are in trouble. It's time to go wake up the Master. It's time to awaken Him. This must have been a storm of unprecedented proportions for them to want to wake Jesus out of His sleep. They knew how tired He was. They knew He was drained. He was exhausted. That He needed His rest. And it was their task, they felt, to follow His orders to get to the other side. But this storm comes up. In the meantime, once again, thank you for listening to Power of the Cross Radio Sermons. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Now, we ask you to help us keep bringing great Pentecostal messages to the world. Join us in our effort to reach the lost by supporting this ministry with a generous offering. We cannot do this unless people just like you give to help cover the costs. On the homepage at www.cross.radio, click on how you can help. There you can give by credit card, debit card, or e-check. Let the Lord bless you and use you in your giving. Now, back to the message. I know many of us that truly love the Lord. There's one thing that we care about more than anything else. And that is, Lord, help me to follow you in everything that I do. I know if you're like me, that's my prayer. Lord, help me to follow you. And here's the thing, you are. What you're doing right now, where you are, you're not doing anything wrong. 
You're not doing anything displeasing to the Lord. You're not anywhere that you shouldn't be as far as where the Lord has you. You're not running off in rebellion. Some of you could say, I've been there and I've done that and I've got the t-shirts to prove it. You're not running from God. You're not believing something that's false. The Lord has revealed to you the message of the cross and you are living a life of victory and joy and peace and happiness. Your time of prayer is one of rejoicing and refreshing. You understand the Word of God and read the Word of God like you've never done before. You are perfectly following what God has called you to do. Now, yes, there may be some questions, but for the most part, you'd say, Brother Josh, I understand what you're saying. But yet, lately, a storm has come upon your sea of life. And you would say, Brother Josh, it doesn't make sense. Jesus told them, go to the other side. Let's go across. They were following exactly what He said. They were doing exactly as He had said to do. He was even in the boat with them. But yet this storm comes about. The storm came because God allowed it to come. There's not one thing that happened in the life of Christ that was not perfectly ordained and orchestrated by the Lord. Likewise, there's nothing that happens to you, Christian, to you, believer. There's not one thing that happens to you if you're following the will of God that He does not allow to take place. Now that may not register in your minds because the storm you're looking at is about waterlogged your boat. And you're saying that within an hour's time, Brother Josh, out of nowhere this thing has come. This sickness has come. This doctor's diagnosis has come. My child all of a sudden decided that they no longer want to live for God. All of a sudden, I've got this problem at work, this problem at home. I've had this thing to happen. All of a sudden, I'm looking at this world and saying, when did everybody go absolutely crazy? You can say amen to that. It's okay. You're looking at the world saying it's a giant storm out there. It's a mess and it's now hurting me. Randy mentioned it. The gas pump. It hurts. The stock market. People have got whiplash because of it and they're watching it go up and down. Personal savings being eroded. Everything's getting more expensive. It's hitting everyone right in the pocketbook and that is a reflection of what's happening in everybody's life. You'd say, I'm following exactly what the Lord would have me to do. I'm trusting Him like I've never trusted Him before. I I feel His presence. I'm seeing Him move like never before. Yet there is a storm, and it's about to sink my boat. Huh. Huh. And the disciples wake up the Master. They say, Lord, Master, wake up. If you don't wake up, we don't know what's going to happen. The boat is about to sink. We're about to perish. Now, the word perish literally in the Greek text means we are about to be destroyed. Utterly and completely destroyed. In other words, Lord, we're not going to make it through this storm. 
Some have looked at America and said, there's no way we can make it through this administration. Some have said, there's no way we can make it through this Congress. Others have said, there's no way we can make it through this whole effort that they're doing right now to, to push this lifestyle, these lifestyles, and I'll not name them for the mixed audience, but these lifestyles that they're pushing, even Disney's doing it. The mouse. We're not going to make it through this. The storm is too great. What are we really saying? Are we saying, Lord, we've finally found something you can't handle? Hmm. The disciples had just seen Jesus heal a leper. They had just seen him speak the word and a servant was healed. They had just seen Jesus heal the multitudes, deliver those who were demon-possessed. They had just seen Him work miracle after miracle after miracle. And yet they're in the middle of the storm, and their response was, Lord, if we're going to perish, this storm is going to destroy us. The Lord allowed this storm for this reason. The Lord knew that He could control the intensity of the storm. The Lord can control the degree of the fire. Think of the three Hebrew boys in that fiery furnace. He could take the burn out of the fire. The Lord has no problem controlling the storm. He has no problem controlling the Red Sea. He has no problem controlling the elements. He has no problem controlling those things. But He cannot control your faith. He can control the magnitude and the greatness of the storm, but He can't control the greatness of your faith. All right. So He will allow circumstances. He will allow situations that will push your faith to the point where there is nothing left to do other than to cry out and say, Lord, I'm stuck. Lord, I'm not going to make it. I'm going to perish. I will be destroyed if you don't do something. I've seen others get healed. I've seen others blessed. I've seen others delivered. I've seen others set free. I've seen you work miracles for others. And Lord, I believe all of that. I know all of that. I've heard the testimonies. And I've heard of all that you've done. But Lord, I need a miracle or I'm not going to make it. And thank God whenever that we awaken the Master in the midst of the storm, He doesn't throw us overboard. But He does expect from us that we will exercise the faith that we have. Now this is preaching to the church here. That's you, ladies and gentlemen. Me. He expects that after a while, we will have learned to trust Him. So that no matter the storm that comes, it doesn't matter. No matter how high the waves might be, no matter how much rain is pelting your boat, no matter how much the wind is blowing and howling, no matter what attack that the enemy brings, he expects us to get to the place that we will say, Lord, I trust you.
no matter what may come, I know that you will keep me and that we will make it to the other side. Because, Lord, you're in the boat with me. The Lord expected his disciples to understand that because he was there with them, they were going to make it through. Because when they awakened him, he said to them, first he calmed the storm, but then he said to them, O ye of little faith, how much longer are you going to be of such little faith? The great and mighty disciples now we're talking about. But he would look at them and say, Ye of little faith, all that I've done, all that you've seen, my handwork miracles, and still you don't believe? I'm not preaching tonight to the church out there that's looking at all kinds of fads and ridiculous things. I know I'm preaching tonight to a congregation. You tune into SBN all the time. You know what the Word of God says. You love God. You support the work of God. God is using you, has used you. You've seen miracles. You've seen healings. You've seen deliverance. You've seen victory. You understand as much as anyone can the message of the cross, and you're seeing it work in your heart and in your life, and we thank God for that, don't we? We thank God for all that He has done, all that He's doing, but you are at a place now that the storm is so great and you're saying, Lord, I don't know if I'm going to make it. But if Jesus is in the boat, hallelujah, if Jesus is in your heart, if Jesus is in your life, if Jesus is in everything that you do, you are going to make it through the storm. Hallelujah. Because He is in your boat. And the Scripture tells us that there were other boats that were around them. Others that were a part of that great mass that heard Him. Some of them commandeered their own vessels. They said, we want to be wherever Jesus is. We want to be wherever the Master is. And they were going across the sea with Him. They were in the same boat. The same situation. The same circumstance. And all of their lives depended on His Word. But the point of this tonight is, no matter what storm is coming, no matter what circumstance is upon you now, and it might not be tonight, but next week, next month, you're going to think about this message. And the Lord's going to say, all right, we're going to put this faith to the test. And Jesus awakened, and he walked to the edge of the boat, and he told the storm, the wind, the rain, the waves, he said, hush, peace, stop, be quiet, be quiet. And the Lord can do the same for your circumstance, whatever that it is. He can speak to the flapping jaws of that person who's in your life that's trying to destroy you. And He can tell them enough. He can speak to your sickness and say, be healed. He can speak to your finances and say, be blessed. But the greatest miracle 
out of this which we've read tonight was that the disciples feared. They were feared. They feared Him. But that's not the same fear that they had of the storm. The story begins that they were afraid for destruction when the rains came. But when the Word of Jesus went forth, that fear of destruction turned to a fear of Him, which is a reverence and a respect. Through your storm, one thing will happen. And that is you will see His power and His glory in a greater way than ever before. That you would have a greater vision, a greater knowledge, a greater relationship of Jesus. Hallelujah. That you will know Him in a greater way than ever before. And He will lead you and guide you every step of the way. No matter what the storm is, you're going to make it through. If Jesus is in the boat, glory to God. You know, some of you may have heard the testimony that Dad has shared regarding his situation, and I've shared it before as well. But I remember back in 1997... I was 10 years old, and I remember awakening that morning. It was July of 97, I believe, and there was a loud thud in the hallway, and I, we were living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at the time, and I, I came out, and I saw Dad face down on the floor. Now, believe it or not, Dad used to be a bigger guy than he is now, and I think you were actually training back then, if I'm not mistaken, like a power lifter. He was a big guy. And to see him laying there on the floor, 10 years of age, I didn't know what was going on. And I picked him up, tried to help him get up, rather, and he fell right onto the bed. I'll never forget that. It's it's burned in my mind. Make the long story short, turned out, Dad had a stroke. And the stroke had paralyzed him on the entire left side of his body. 38 years old? Healthy as can be, no rhyme or reason, no health problems, perfect shape, I mean, worked out, didn't make any sense, never saw it coming, no signs, nothing. It just, bam, all of a sudden hits him, a stroke, and a stroke that caused paralysis, the entire left side of his body. You spend a little while in the hospital. The final diagnosis was this. With some therapy, with some rehab, you might get some mobility back, but your feeling and your sensations were gone. Your your mobility was gone. Your entire left side was done. And I think the general consensus was, John, you're just going to have to learn to live with this. You're just going to have to adapt. Things will get better over time, but this is your new norm. At 10 years old, I didn't understand all the ramifications of that. And I didn't know this either, but in your mind, the Lord had called you to do things. And you said, Lord, there's no way I can do this paralyzed with half my body paralyzed. It can't happen. And after being home for a period of time, I remember that uh, you picked a fight with mom. 
and he kidnapped himself. He left. He took the right side of his body, and he drove off, and he checked into a motel. And that night, Dad went to prayer. He said, Lord, I know you're the healer. I know that you're able. He's able, he's able. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. And this goes to show you because even in the midst of a storm, a Christ-like position is what? Is to go to sleep. To be Christ-like in the midst of a storm is to go to sleep. What that means is, I'm not worried, I'm not concerned. I'm going to rest. You went to sleep that night paralyzed, not knowing what to do, what's going to happen, what's going on, said, Lord, I need a healing, went to sleep. And in the early hours of the morning, Dad awakened. And he had to run in and use the facilities. And you heard me right, because he hopped up out of bed, as the story goes, ran into the restroom, and all of a sudden it hit him. He said, my Lord, I just jumped out of bed and I ran into the restroom. My faculties work. I am healed in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. I remember when he came home, he would sit down in front of the keyboard and type and only one hand would work. Now, both hands were working as God had touched him and healed him and made him whole. And about a decade or so ago, He had to have an MRI, a scan done of his brain for something unrelated, something else. And I remember sitting there and looking and with my eyes seeing that he actually is part brain dead. He actually has dead tissue in his brain where the stroke took place. The doctors can't explain it. They're totally befuddled and confused. John, you should be paralyzed. John, you have no problems. John, you're perfectly fine. And he can say, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed me. He healed me. He healed me. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Mm. Praise God. Hallelujah. In the midst of that storm, the Lord brought you through it. And the greatest miracle just might be that through it all, we learn to trust Him all the greater and all the more. I've struggled through this message tonight. I've felt Satan's trying to distract and discourage even now as we're preaching about the very thing that says he's defeated and he is but as we conclude this part of the service and Randy you can make your way back up please and I do want that song if you would please but you here tonight I don't know your circumstance I don't know your situation but if you're anything like me You've been going through some things lately that look like a storm you've maybe never faced before. And you trust the Lord enough because you're going and waking Him up. But the Lord has more in store 
for you. Now I'm talking individually now to you, for you. And through this storm, number one, I want you to know, by the authority of the name of Jesus, you're going to make it through this storm. Satan's not going to sink your boat. Praise God for that. And number two, hallelujah, through this storm, you will come out of it saying, I have learned about Jesus and the power of Almighty God, and God is going to use the faith. Now hear me, I believe this in my heart. He's going to use the faith that He's now birthing in your heart to believe Him and to intercede for a great move of God and a harvest of souls unlike this world I believe has ever seen. He is preparing, hallelujah, His body to believe Him and trust Him. And through it all, the anchor still holds. Praise God. Just bow your heads tonight and worship Him. This brings us to the end of this sermon. Don't forget to help us in our effort to bring the message of the cross to the world. We need your prayers and financial gifts to make that happen. Also, be sure to check out our website schedule and prayer wall at www.cross.radio. Power of the Cross Radio streams great Christian music and sermons all day, every day. Again, thank you for joining us today and may God bless you and keep you. Power of the Cross Radio is a production of Cross Faith Ministries. Visit them on the web at www.cfministry.com.